Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. In fact, we're going to start in a moment with uh, not a, reading one verse in chapter 8. So if you want to look at that, you'll have the opportunity to do so as well. I'm going to be thinking this morning about the words of the risen Christ to Paul. Now, have you ever seen these commercials on TV or in magazines where they have before and after pictures? Well, sometimes you might have something like, you know, an automobile, been in a wreck before, and then look what a good job that body shop did. And so you've got an after, and the car is looking much, much better. Or you see it a lot of times with people. Here's this kind of flabby guy, and I don't know what he did, whether it was diet or exercise or both, but, you know, he lost some weight and toned up his muscles, you know, and real, looks real buff now. Now, the next before and after is the one that I personally may be interested in. <laughs> Maybe getting a little more hair, and I see some others of you out there, too, who may be interested in, in it as well. Now, Keep that in mind as we think a little bit about Saul. All of you remember what a, I don't know, prince of terrorist Osama bin Laden was and how he kind of struck fear in so many. What if one day bin Laden had come to the place where he decided that he had been wrong in his beliefs all along, that Jesus really was the Savior, and he set about evangelizing the whole Islamic world. That would be a great before and after, wouldn't it? You get something like that with a man whose name was Saul in New Testament times. If you look at chapter 8, verse 3, it says, But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And then chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was bent on destroying the church. And he didn't care how he had to go about it. He was going to do it. So when you look at him at this point of life, you just see a really cruel man who didn't have much respect for anyone else's freedom, who didn't have much respect for individuals. He was just going to do what he thought was right. Now, what, would, what kind of person was he? that he was so cruel. You're going to be surprised. Listen to the description of Saul. He was righteous. That was his goal in life. He wanted to be righteous before God. He wanted to live a life that was morally upright and be able to do the right thing. He had a good background. He grew up in a Jewish family. He knew about his heritage. His name was actually the name of the first king of Israel. 
So he had a good background. He had a good education. He grew up in a, a city called Tarsus. It had a major university there. It was a very cultural place. He, he grew up in, in the midst of that. He got a good education probably there. And then because he was interested in theology, he went to Jerusalem and he studied at what we might call the rabbinical school there, the theological school there, under the Gamaliel, one of the main religious teachers of the day. He had a fantastic education. He had a lot of knowledge. He knew Greek and he knew Aramaic and he knew Hebrew and evidently some other languages as well. He was one who you know, kept up with what was going on in the world and he could talk to you about athletics and things such as that. We can just discern that by reading some of the things that he wrote later. He had an excellent knowledge of the Bible for them, the Old Testament. He had, he had a great deal of knowledge. He was a good worker. He had his own profession. He could support himself with that profession and do the work that he wanted to do on the side elsewhere. And he had a dominant personality. He was a take charge kind of person. He wanted to get things done. People listened to what he had to say and would go along with his ideas and follow him. Now that doesn't sound like a description of somebody that was as cruel as he was. But that's what he was like. But one day, he got changed. This was the Saul before. All of these things that we look on as advantages in life, somehow they were corrupted in him so that it made him a cruel and evil person trying to destroy what God was doing. But one day, something happened to him that changed him. This was Saul before. Finally, Saul met the one who was going to change him and make him really useful to God. Let's see how it happened. Picking up with verse 3 of chapter 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him and said in a vision, Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias replied, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all those who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and the, before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you will see again 
and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could not see anything. He got up and was, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some bread, he regained his strength. Saul met the one who could change him from a before to an after, and it be a tremendous kind of change. Saul was changed after he had his encounter with the Lord Jesus. Saul's focus had been on standing against those who followed the Lord Jesus. You see, he thought Jesus was a crackpot. He thought he was just a religious quack. He thought all of those who were following Jesus were being deceived and they were going away from the real truth of God. And so he was determined to do something about it. He had been opposed to Jesus. Do you find it interesting when Jesus first spoke to Paul, to Saul, he said to him, why do you persecute me? Persecute God's people. You're persecuting him. But Saul changed. He was changed because he changed his focus to be on Jesus. Listen to some of the things that he had to say about Jesus. Later on, he was going to write and say this. This is for 1 Timothy chapter 1. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Boy, isn't that a change? Talking about faith and love and grace. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. For that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example to those who believe on him and receive eternal life. Do you understand what he was saying? He said, I was the worst of sinners. I was a persecutor of God's people. And God had mercy on me. God will have mercy on you. He's that kind of God. Paul would say this about Jesus as well. And, and look at what he came to understand about the greatness of Jesus. He wrote of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Didn't take him long to say a great deal about Jesus, did it? And show how exalted Jesus was. Paul was changed from one who persecuted Jesus to one who understood so very clearly 
the magnitude and the greatness and the power of Jesus. Saul was changed. He was changed from a person who thought that he had to justify himself before God, that he had to be good enough to please God. Listen to what he said about this. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul said, according to the old way, I was doing everything just right. But I couldn't earn God's favor, no matter how hard I tried. So Paul came to the place where he learned about grace and he would come to the place where he would say, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God, not of works, that anyone should boast. What a change from one who thought, I've got to be good enough to earn God's favor, to coming to the place where he understood it's a gift. It's something God just gives to us. We can't deserve it. Deserve it. We can't earn it. It's just God's gift. Saul was changed in another way. Saul was changed from one who had been trying as hard as he possibly could to tear the church down. And he came to the place where he realized what the church was and realized he had to build it up. Ephesians chapter 1, he said, And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. He realized that the church wasn't an enemy to be attacked. It was the body of Christ to be built up. He wrote later, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Before, he was trying to tear the church down, destroy it. After, He was building it up and was concerned for many different churches. Daily was concerned for them. Paul was changed. Saul was changed. His focus had been on his own efforts. You know, I'm going to make my way in the world. I've got the power. I've got the knowledge. I've got the ability. I've got the termination. I'm going to do it like it needs to be done. But after he met Jesus, he realized that something else has to take place. The Holy Spirit has to come. And the Holy Spirit begins to be the power in our lives. He would write in 1 Corinthians 2, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God was freely given us. This is what we speak, not words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness for him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. He came to the place where No matter how much knowledge you have, no matter how much education you have, that's never enough. You won't learn how to be 
right with God by following human wisdom or human effort. The Spirit of God has to reveal it to us and draw us to God. But then when He does, then listen to what Paul said. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were God's possession to the praise of His glory. God gives us His Holy Spirit. And it's like God is saying to us, I'm giving you my spirit. I put my spirit within you. Now you know for sure you have eternal life. Well, Saul was changed so much by Jesus that he couldn't even keep his old name. He got a new name. His new name was Paul. From then on, he was known as Paul. Think about Paul. Think about, think about what had been before. All of those things that Saul had acquired, all of those things that he had achieved, all of those things he was attempting to do, and then he met Jesus. Let's think about the after. He became the apostle to the Gentiles. Man, as a Jew, he thought the Gentiles were just second-rate people. The Jews were the people of God. Everybody else was just nobody. He became the apostle of the Gentiles, telling the good news about Jesus to the very ones he had scorned. He led many to salvation. If you read his works, he talks about some of those, names some of those that he brought to faith in Jesus. He planted churches all over the known world. You know, the one who had been tearing down churches started to build up churches everywhere he went. He began to do more than even that. He began to declare the gospel before rulers, before kings. He wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that if he had never met Jesus. He was still concerned for his own people, still concerned with the Jews. And guess what? Paul wrote almost one half, almost one half of the New Testament. What a before and after. And what brought it about? Why the change? Saul met Jesus. And he put his identity in Jesus. And his security was wrapped up in Jesus. It was all coming from Jesus. And the core of his theology became Christ in me and I in Christ. He would write to the Corinthians and he would say to them, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Boy, he's a great example of that. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And you remember that verse I read at the beginning from Galatians chapter 2? It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We let Christ live in us. We live in Christ. It's a mutual indwelling. And that makes all of the difference. That's what really changed Saul to Paul, that's what really changed us if we've accepted Jesus, Lord and Savior. Now, when he was changed, the focus of his life changed. Changed from after he had had that encounter with Christ. That's what made the difference. It wasn't his education. It wasn't his determination. 
It wasn't his knowledge. It wasn't his human wisdom. It was meeting Jesus. And it was having Jesus speak to him and call him. And that's what makes the difference. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. If I had an encounter with Christ, have you? Have you really met Jesus? Have you put your life in His life? Have you let Him come into your life? That's what changes us. That's what makes all of the difference. You could tell that Saul met Jesus because he was changed. Wow, what a change. Our change may not be as dramatic, but there should be changed. Have you been changed? Saul had been mean. Mean despite of all, all of the things that were on his side. He was mean. He found out you were a Christian. He didn't care who you were. He would go west you, throw you in jail, leave you there in the rod. He didn't care. He was mean. Do you have a mean streak in you? Do you act mean toward people? Do you talk mean to people? Maybe you need to let Jesus change you so that you can show more of his kindness. You've been changed. Paul had been full of pride. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I come from the right people. I come from the right family. I've got the right education. I lived a faultless life in what I thought was a faultless life. No, I did everything just right. I, he was proud. And then he met Jesus, and he wasn't proud anymore because he realized that all of that self-righteousness was nothing but garbage. You self-sufficient? You full of pride? You feel like you can get along without God? You can do things your own way in your own time and your own, it's on your own business? Maybe you need to be humbled. Humble to the place where you recognize that you are a sinner and that you have no right whatsoever to stand before a holy God. And so like Paul learned, you need to quit your own self-striving and trust in the grace, the free gift of salvation that God offers you. We can't be good enough to please God, no matter how hard we try. We need the grace of God to accept us and to save us, and to give us eternal life. You've been changed. Saul was prejudiced against the Gentiles. He was prejudiced against Christians as well. You stop and think about it. What about you? You prejudiced against an individual? You prejudiced against a group of people? Maybe you need to let Jesus change you so that you would understand that Jesus Christ died for all, everyone, and everyone is precious in His sight. Everyone is made in the image of God. And we have no right to look down on them. You've been changed. Saul attacked the church. Don't guess you're going to attack the church. You wouldn't be here this morning. Uh, but why are you here? Because you think it's your duty and you're trying to earn some points with God? Or because you know you've been saved? And you want to come in fellowship with God's people. And just love the God who saved you. Is coming to church a duty? Or is it a joy? If it's a duty, maybe you need to meet Jesus. 
so it could be turned into a joy. You've been truly changed. Saul's focus in life was self. He got it changed. He had to surrender to Jesus and let Jesus be Lord of his life. You know, we're the same way, aren't we? We get focused on self. What I want, what I want to have, what I want to do. That's where we live a lot of our lives with our focus. But when we meet Jesus and we let him change us, then the focus stops getting on us so much and gets more and more on what Jesus wants and how to please him and how to live for him and how to glorify him. Saul had an encounter with Jesus. What a before and after. Before he met Jesus and after he met Jesus, he was a completely different man. I heard about a man one time that had a kind of a dramatic conversion like that. He, he was a real rich guy. He had a chauffeur. And somebody was talking to the chauffeur about him. And the chauffeur said, it's a, the same skin, but there's a new man inside. I guess you could say the same thing about Saul after he became Paul. He was completely changed. Have you been changed? Have you been changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ? Maybe today you need to come and say, Lord, I've been more like Saul than Paul. And I need you to change me. And I'm ready. I'm ready to say, I accept Jesus into my life. <clears throat> I'm ready to put Jesus, to put myself in Jesus and trust Him, not my own self, but trust Him to forgive me and cleanse me and give me eternal life and watch over me now and watch over me forever. Would you put yourself in Jesus and let Jesus come and live in you? Maybe today you need to say, Lord, I'm a believer. I've accepted Jesus. He's within. He's working. But I need to surrender a little more. I need to be more obedient to Jesus. I need to follow Jesus more closely. I need to be more open to how Jesus wants to change me so that more and more I can be like Him. Maybe today you would share with us that you've received Jesus as Savior. Maybe today, because you're following Jesus, you want to put your membership here in Holland Avenue Baptist Church. Your invitation to him this morning is number 523.